This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Boom. Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a... Um, I don't really know what word to use to describe that bowl game for the Kansas Jayhawks, but... It was definitely something. It was definitely worth watching if you have not. And honestly, it's probably the highlight of the entire bowl season. I find it hard to imagine that any of the games the rest of this year, including college football playoff and the national championship, unless we get a triple overtime game in one of those, it's hard to imagine there's going to be another one that's going to be as entertaining, uh, no matter whether you have a rooting interest in the teams or not. So help me recap all of that. um, And then also look ahead to... The beginning of conference play for the basketball teams, both the men and the women. I have joining me Kyle Davis, our deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good. You know, we're so we are recording this probably about I don't know thirty minutes or an hour after the Cheez-It Bowl ended, which I got to say was disappointing. After that, it was thirty-two, thirty-two. Florida State kicked a, a field goal, and then they just ended there were no overtimes there wasn't there was no two-point versions and yet to your point compared to the liberty bowl i was hoping the cheese bowl might be the liberty bowl like 2.0 uh no no such luck it was kind of a boring ending compared we've we've been spoiled now is what's happened yeah i was gonna say the liberty bowl has a reputation to live up to and it sounds like it did not live up to that reputation that instead the liberty bowl took that this year um but you know what? You can only have one best bowl of the season. So I am glad that Kansas was involved in it. And as I saw from a lot of different people, you know, if you had told me at the beginning of this year, right, that Kansas was not only going to go to a bowl game, but was probably going to be involved in the most entertaining bowl game you could possibly have that the entire nation would be talking about, I would have taken it, even with a loss. So, um, you know, there's a lot we can break down here. I, I think I think there's there's two main topics that I want to hit. For sure. And then we can, um, you know, decide what else, you know, makes sense. We will be continuing to talk about this as we go through the basketball season because I'm sure that there will be news in terms of transfers or other things going on when spring football starts. I'm sure there'll be a lot more interest than there usually is for spring football this year. So, um, we will have plenty of time to talk about this, but let's hit the main, the main things. There's really just two, two things that we absolutely have to talk about. I think the first one being, all right. 
actually, now that I think about it, there's 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 three. There's obviously the the abysmal first half where Kansas got down, you know, twenty eight to seven. Uh, no, I'm sorry, twenty four to seven in the first quarter because of just some absolutely horrible play. A Sevian Morrison fumble on a kickoff return, and then two Jalen Daniels interceptions that put Kansas way down in the, you know, in the first quarter or I guess second quarter is when the second interception happened. Um, when you got to halftime of that game, like how, how much were you thinking, Hey, this game is probably over at this point. Let's just make it competitive. Uh, it, it was all for me, it was all going to depend on the first drive of the second half uh, since KU did get the ball to start there. And that's what we've seen before. Cause it, uh, honestly it would be um, you would, if you had, if this was the first Kansas football game you had watched this year, you probably would have turned the TV off after it was 38 to 13. But like, this is the MO. This is what happens. It's the Alonzo morning meme where he's shaking his head. Like, how can you keep getting down by 25 and then nodding his head that, you know what, that's the only way they get back into the game. And so like, it's, it's frustrating, but it also, it, it made a lot of sense because while we talked a lot about how Kansas was probably more motivated to play and amped up than anyone else, it was also a position that never none of them had been in. It was the program's first bowl game in 14 years. There was a lot of, you know, it, there was probably, there's a lot of emotions. There was a lot of just ampness of just wanting to, you know, kind of make the program proud. And that can lead to some, you know, Mistakes, and I think the the Savion Morris, yeah, the hiccups, the the fumble and the kickoff return was probably the most painful because it led to the basically second touchdown in three plays for Arkansas, and that's when it kind of felt like it was going off the rails. But that's again, that was kind of one of those things. Yeah, if you had never watched Kansas before, you probably had zero hope. But the one quality this team has is there's a lot of like that they will play for 60 minutes and there's a lot of grit and, and kind of a never give up attitude, which you have to respect. It's still, I didn't know that they were going to tie it. I mean, it was, it was even from their standards, 25 points is pretty, pretty insurmountable. Uh, but yeah, they, they had to have some things go well and, and you got to give Jalen Daniels a lot of credit for just putting the blinders on and, and, not thinking about the last play and just kind of moving forward. And uh, I did think that it was going to be one of those things where the, you could tell by coming out of the the third quarter, getting the ball back there, what was, you know, and the, the, well, I, I should say the interception by OJ Burroughs at the end of this first half, that then knowing that Kansas had the ball back was the thing that gave me still a sliver of hope that this could be at least competitive because if Arkansas scores there, then that's, I don't know how you overcome that, but that kind of gave some momentum switch right before then. And then, and then obviously we know what happened then. Yeah. I mean, it, it was almost a disaster to end because you went down, you scored, you missed a two point conversion where you were trying to get it back within two scores. And then Arkansas immediately just drives the ball down there. And that was, you know, you had a potential sack by Lonnie Phelps where KG Jefferson somehow magically slipped out of it, ran for like 45 yards. And then Kenny Logan got flagged for pushing him out of bounds. Like, you could tell Kansas was getting frustrated. You could tell the defense was having some issues. You could tell that that like that was the turning point, right? This was this felt like a cross between the Texas game where Kansas just got completely overrun by a more physical and a more athletically talented team, I think. Um, you know, and then the Kansas State game where Kansas actively shot themselves in the foot so many times. Like, I don't think that Kansas State has, you know, phenomenal or, you know, 
three-tier level above Kansas in terms of athletic players or things like that. They are a very, very disciplined team, and Kansas made a bunch of mistakes, whereas Texas was kind of the opposite. Like, Texas was, you know, has made plenty of mistakes this year, but they were just so much more physically talented. This felt like it was kind of a mix between the two, right, where Arkansas was opening up holes with their offensive line. They were doing all kinds of things, just running over the Jayhawks, and and Kansas was shooting themselves in the foot. And so it was like, if they're going to have any chance, something has to happen. O.J. Burroughs had a huge interception to end the half. And I saw a bunch of people talking about how that was, you know, that was pass interference. It was like, no, both players had the opportunity to go for the ball. O.J. Burroughs definitely went for the ball. He didn't push off. He didn't do anything. He ran into the guy, but he was making a play on the ball, which is completely legal. Um, so, but, you know, like you said, that was what you needed to see to have an opportunity. But then they come out in the third quarter and immediately – you know, don't do anything in that first in that first drive. And so it's like, uh oh, this is a problem. You know, Arkansas then goes and scores in the third quarter to go up thirty eight to thirteen. And you're like, well, you know, that's this is probably it. I think I tweeted something to the effect of, you know, this is the point where if they don't score on this next drive, you're probably, you know, looking at the end of a game or the end of the possibility of them actually coming back. And I think there was three or four times where I actually tweeted it's like, that'll probably pretty much do it. And any normal team, I think it would have. You know, this is a team, though, I think that has a lot of belief in themselves, even if they have some issues. You heard about some very, very um, colorful language that was used on the sidelines, some very interesting conversations that happened on the sideline, but it worked to fire them up. And I think this is a this is a team that, you know, you, you hear all the time about sports teams that become like family. But I think that this kind of showed, or this is, this is at least an epitome of that, you know, that cliche, because... They do a lot of fighting with each other. You know, they do a lot of different things you would think could potentially be a problem, could cause some hard feelings, but they all know where it's coming from. They all know why people are saying that. And while they can have disagreements, they all know what that common goal is. Um, that I think I think that leads into, I'll, I'll, I'll let you say something about that if, if you have something, because I can see it looks like you, you want to say something. But then I, I want to go ahead and jump over to Jalen Daniels after that. Yeah, no, I well, not, and not necessarily about that in just particular, but I think with the 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 Arkansas comp as well with the kind of Texas and, and K State, you know, vibes of just how the game went. I mean, this is a really good Arkansas team that lost a lot of close games, but we knew that this was a a possibility that they could gash just Kansas on the ground repeatedly. And I think this is where, and I talked about this in in my uh, article that went up today, but I think this was you know a good this game was a good kind of uh, stamp of where Kansas is at because the thing that you don't have, and this kind of leads into the Jalen Daniels talk, the thing that you don't have right right now with Kansas and this team is depth. Like you have, you know, Arkansas can have 24 guys either go to the NBA draft or transfer out. And it's just kind of next man up, uh, you know, mentality. And they've got three or four stars behind them. And they're just, there's again, the the physicalness and, and just all of that is something that, Kansas just doesn't have that sort of depth yet. But what they do have is an offense that proves it can score on anybody in the country and also keep you in a game no matter what. And a lot of those pieces are going back. And Jalen Daniels is obviously like the catalyst and the main piece of that. But I think it's, it's, I think this was a probably like the epitome of this team was that there's, there's shortcomings. There's, you know, like there's just not the, the, the margin for error is so much thinner, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And we know what the special teams is, but you have this offensive unit that is just never going to count you out of the game. 
And then a defensive unit that makes enough big plays when it matters. And we can talk about the fumble recovery by Kobe Bryant and just that whole sequence there. Obviously the onside kick was Kenny Logan and the special teams, but you know, like they, they were opportunistic. I think is the word we've been using all year long, but just, you could tell the, you know, the Arkansas had, uh, you know, the, their best rusher, Raheem Sanders, who uh, is just a stud on nearly 1500 yards on the year go out early in this game because of an injury. And they just had this freshman who comes in and just, you know, picks up right where they left off. And like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing that Kansas has maybe in a couple of spots, obviously running back is kind of one of those where they're deeper, but like, especially on the defensive side of the ball in some of these areas, like this is, this is the evolution. This is where we're at. You've got that, you've got that too deep, pretty well solid. But like after that, this is the, this is the, where the evolution of Lance Leipold's kind of work has to go from here. And you saw that with Arkansas. Uh, But again, with this offense, it's just, you can never count them out. And that too deep now is so talented, especially that those, that starting group that, they can hang with anybody. Yeah. And I made this point on a Twitter space that I did with friends of the podcast, uh, Bryson Stricker and, and Mike Vernon earlier today, uh, today being obviously Thursday when we're actually recording this. And, you know, the, the point, cause, cause there was questions about Brian Borland, you know, and it was like, well, why, why did Brian Borland get, you know, a raise? And then they had that kind of performance against Arkansas. And I think that that misses a couple of different things. One, the, the assistant pool is much higher. So everybody is naturally going to get a more competitive salary. Um, and I think that's what you were seeing as opposed to a, you know, um, any kind of referendum on what on what Brian Borland has done this year. But I think that also kind of ignores the the reality of what this defense has been like. It has been an abysmal defense. And it's not because they haven't necessarily had guys. It's because they haven't been able to mesh getting a talent on the defense along with a coherent, you know, scheme to actually do it. And Borland and Leipold, they have an idea of what kind of scheme they want to see now. You see all the guys they brought in. You look at that too deep. They actually have, like you said, a very a a talented too deep now. But the majority of the minutes that got that played this year defensively on the two deep came from transfers, came from the transfer portal, or came from new players that they brought in this year. So they had a lot of work that they had to do. They completely revamped the defense. It's going to take some time. A lot of these guys are coming back. There's a lot of good reasons to think that Brian Borland can continue to get it turned around and. They were very opportunistic. Like this is a team, you know, when you are bringing in a new system, when you are bringing in new players, you're trying to raise the talent level to get them to be power five level, you know, talent. And you're bringing in a bunch of group of five guys or a bunch of backups on power five rosters to be able to do that and elevate that. It's going to take some time. You're, you're going to have some bumps you have to work through, but I thought they performed pretty well. Like what you have to ask them to do is can they make plays that can change the way that the, the the game is going. And they did that in spades throughout the year. So I think, I think they did a very, very good job. Obviously we have to talk about the performance of Jalen Daniels set plenty of records. In fact, Kansas and Arkansas together set 24 different Liberty bowl records in this game, including, you know, most points and all that stuff. Arkansas scored the most points ever in a quarter um, in, in that first quarter, but then the two teams combined for a whole bunch of extra points, um, and I think, I think it was the highest scoring Liberty Bowl game ever, if I remember correctly. Jalen Daniels, though. It's, wor- it's, it's worth pointing out, too, that the Liberty Bowl is not a new one because there's so many bowl games right, that go right. out there right now. It'd be that, different like, if this was like, like, like the taxslayer.com bowl or something like that, where right. we were but saying like, that. I, Liberty they Bowl. They did a good is, job showing this on, yeah. on the broadcast that, like, 
uh, like Bo Jackson played in the Liberty Bowl. Doug Flutie played in the Liberty Bowl. So when you're talking about setting 24 records, you're talking about 50 or 60 years of, of this bowl game, uh, which I think is important context to just show how impressive this really was. Yeah, well, and, and Jalen Daniels, the first player ever in bowl history to have 550 passing yards, five touchdowns in the air, and then one rushing touchdown. Um, Daniels was by far, you know, the best player uh, in this game, I think, on both sides. Um, unfortunately, Arkansas just had more guys, you know, from, from top to bottom. And, and honestly, if you if you came into that, you know, going into the fourth quarter, I, I, I don't think you could actually say he was the best player on the field. You know, the, the, the fourth quarter that he had, and really it's like the last five minutes of the fourth quarter that he had, and the the overtimes were I don't know how you how else you can describe them other than just absolutely Herculean. Like he just was doing pretty much everything you needed to do. He hit all of the you know the normal people. I think Lou Grimm had a fantastic game here. I think Jared Casey obviously had some very big plays that we're going to remember. I, I made an Applebee's tweet you know talking about the the whole go for two thing because not only did he score a touchdown, um, he also got a two point conversion as well. Um, you know, just kind of normal things that we're used to seeing as as Kansas fans, right? With with Jared Casey getting big two point conversions. The dude's just he's he is Mister Reliable. He just he does not drop the ball. He's just there when you need him. Yeah, it and, was uh, it was just ridiculous. Like you, all of you the did the Applebee's one. I I tweeted the you have Brady Gronk, Mahomes, Kelsey, and then you got Daniels and Casey as the next great QB tight end duo. Yeah, just it's just those three right up next to each other. It is it is so ridiculous just the way that they have been able to to build that. And and you know, they're they're both back next year. It's gonna be very I think it's gonna be very interesting to see the competition that we have on the offense. Um, you know, Kansas is bringing in a decent number of guys, but you know, most of the guys are gonna bring in, they're gonna need on defense. Like they'll bring in offensive players. You wouldn't expect there to be a lot of changes offensively unless guys just develop or you find a, you know, a four-star wide receiver that wants to come to Kansas all of a sudden, like that guy's going to crack the lineup. But, you know, this is a team that I think is very set offensively. They have most of the guys coming back and you're looking at some fantastic, I I think some fantastic possibilities for what they can do next year. And obviously we have to talk about the final play. I actually wrote a column today um, talking about this because I had seen a lot of people that were just absolutely ripping into Jason Bean, Um, you know, uh, the the third overtime two-point conversion play, was one where you had Jason Bean roll out to the you know to the right on a reverse and try to throw a pass. He lofted it. I think he he airmailed it. I think is the best way to describe it. It you can tell the second he threw it, he realized just how badly he overthrew it, and he wanted that one back. Um, a lot of people were pointing out that Mason Fairchild was like wide open in the end zone. Um, if you go back and actually look at the at the broadcast, though, it looked like his vision of Fairchild was screened by a couple different Arkansas defenders that were in his face. So I can you know, excuse that, um, you know, he, he probably had room to get into the end zone if he ran it, but it wasn't, you know, uh, a guaranteed thing. Uh, like looking at that play multiple times, I, I feel like this is going to break off a debate much like the, you know, should the Tyshawn have dunked debate <laughs> that we've had for so long. Like he probably should have run because what happened didn't work. But honestly, if I'm looking at that play, I would have expected a little throw over the top. And the way that the, you know, the players had actually been been catching the ball, like I would have expected it to be successful if, if Bean had gotten it anywhere close. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't fault the play call because as Lance Leipold said in the press conference at the end, you don't have, you know, seven or eight or like six to 10 two point conversion plays on your, on your play sheet. So you have to like, 
you know, get other stuff and bring it in. And that is a play that they've used multiple times this year, and it's been successful. So it's not like they were, you know, pulling something from so far down in the playbook that they hadn't even run it. They've run it. I, I can think of at least four different times in the in the in the season where they've run that and it's been successful. And they had run a similar play that got thrown all the way across the field over to Tory Lachlan on the other side that almost was there and Bean just barely overthrew him, you know, and, and, and Lachlan was wide open. So like, it's not like this was a, a bad scheme. Um, you know, you saw Daniels get stuffed, uh, on in, in, in the second overtime on a couple different runs and, you know, a very fortunate targeting call that was a borderline targeting call. I, I hate the targeting rule, but you know, like it benefited Kansas in this one. And that's what you needed to get to the third overtime. So it's like, it's not like giving it to Daniels was a sure thing. He was for sure going to get it in. I understand the arguments about you don't want to take it out of his hands, but he's the one that gave it to Bean, created the misdirection. Like that's a big part of what Kansas has done all year long. So I don't know that you can, you know, second guess and Monday morning quarterback this and say that was the wrong call given the entirety of what's happening in the game at that point. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of playing the results. If, if it works, then then Colonel Mackey is a genius and, you know, Jason Bean's a hero and all that kind of stuff. I will say the, the to your point, the screenshots and like the, in the, in the, um, like the video replays and whatnot are so misleading, not only with this play, but just in any of them, like you can get a screenshot that makes it look like someone's wide open where that window is maybe a second long. And to your point, it's not like he has, the vision of the camera to where he's seeing like there's guys in the ways I, you know, so like, yes, Fairchild's open. I think Bean would probably want it back. I like, I, I, my heart breaks for him just because I know, you know, cause it's one of those things too, where he, he did so much for KU this year and was responsible for, for there not being a huge drop off when, you know, the, the season could have gone completely in the toilet once Daniels got hurt. And one of the reasons why it didn't was because of Jason Bean and how he played. So like he, should, you know, like he should have, I really wanted him, you know, the, the comparison I have, I really wanted him to have his like David McCormick moment where, you know, McCormick was like the the scapegoat and the one that everyone would just go to because he didn't dunk enough and didn't do this and this. But then he like, you know, he was there when you needed him throughout the year. He, you know, he wasn't amazing, but he was good enough. And then, you know, David had his moment in the national championship game. Bean's moment did not go well enough. Like that, that my heart breaks for him for there. But like, yeah, I, you're going to play with the results. Yes, obviously, you would rather have the ball in Jalen Daniels's hand. No, that does not mean it would automatically work. Who knows if it would work? I don't know that. I'm not sold that he would have made it from the run. Like Arkansas was closing really fast on him. And I'm not convinced that he would have made it in yeah, time. I think it was it, close it, enough. There. So like, yeah. I think it was close enough. You could make the argument that he probably would have, but again, it's, it's like that, that Tyshawn dunk conversation, right? Like the, you think he could run into the corner and run out the clock and not have to worry about them, you know, shooting a three. It's like, but you don't know, like the way that he was driving in changed the way that the defender, you know, like, so there's so many different things that could have changed that make it so that, you know, that, that misleading view isn't how it actually would have, you know, done if, if he had made a different decision. I, I think, I think the one thing Jason Bean as well, like not just this season, but you think about what happened last season, right? With him, not only, you know, having the starting job coming out of camp, being the, the, the more ready quarterback at the beginning of the year and getting this team where they were competitive 
Um, well, or I'm sorry, that they were, well, they weren't necessarily competitive in a lot of the games that he played, but I don't think that was like his fault. Um, but doing enough to kind of keep the team moving, get them into a point where people could see things working and see things actually happening and make it so that way when Jalen Daniels stepped in for him because of injury, that he could have the kind of thing that he did. And, you know, let's not forget too, being kind of stepped aside and let Daniels take over the team when it became clear that Daniels was better equipped. Like we all knew and, and, and the coaching staff said that Jalen Daniels probably like if you went just on talent, he probably would have started the year last year, but he was nowhere near consistent enough for what Lance Leipold was trying to do. And that's what Jason Bean has brought is that consistency, right? Which has had been so important for this program to build that baseline, to build something that they can, you know, build that foundation that they can build the program off of and, and being provided that. And you don't get that a lot with a backup quarterback. And usually when that guy gets passed over, like I was honestly a little surprised that Bean did not transfer the beginning of this year because yeah, yeah, he had a very decent chance to, to potentially win that starting job back. But you know, and, 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 and from what I understand, it was a really, really close competition as well. Like, there was actually a, a legitimate shot he could have been the starter at the beginning of the year. Um, but, you know, once he didn't win the job, a lot of guys, especially at high-level football, would have transferred immediately. And, and so it's one of those things, I think, where, you know, we have to appreciate what Jason Bean has done for the program, not just because of what he's done on the field and getting that win against Oklahoma State to make them bowl eligible. Like, that was his you know, I think David McCormick moment, right? Getting them to where they needed to be to get to the postseason. Um, you would have liked him to be able to then follow it up with a great moment at the end of that game. But, um, you know, I, I will be writing a Jason Bean appreciation post later later this uh, this week probably or early next week. But I will definitely say that um, I, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing rumors that he may not necessarily be done at Kansas. There's a chance, a small chance that he could come back. But... People blasting him on Twitter is not going to help with him wanting to come back to Kansas. You should appreciate what he's done and appreciate this entire season. As I wrote in my article, don't boil down this entire season or this entire game to one failed play against a athletically superior team when you had depleted the entire bag of tricks that you had and had to go grab something and it just didn't work. That happens in football. It happens in all the sports. If you let that one play define the way you're going to remember this season, you're going to be extremely disappointed when, you know, you have a team that cannot win a national championship because of one play or cannot win a bowl game because of one play because it happens to a lot of teams every single year. All right, final, yep, yeah, final thoughts before we move con- over to basketball? That's the context, too. It's got to be – It's got to be. Th- it's, I mean, you know, it, this was not the end of regulation. It was in the three overtimes, and there was – everyone was exhausted. Like, yeah, yeah there's a lot of context there. Um I, two two final things, I guess. One of them is, uh, what kind of odds would have I had to give you that Kai Thomas is the only player with two touchdowns in this game? Because I sure didn't see that coming. Uh, and good for him when you're talking about next year and just the 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 loaded offensive rooms. Like seeing him have some success. Obviously, he's not replacing Devin Neal uh, uh, at the, like in this lineup necessarily. But like that's just that was good to see there. And then, you know, we, we didn't talk about Daniels too much. Obviously, he was amazing in the second half. His ability to just put the blinders on from that first half and just keep going is is something truly remarkable. And I think more exciting, obviously, the game was incredible. I think, you know, they Dan Mullen mentioned it on the broadcast, uh, and I know you were at the stadium, that he, he kept bringing up that, you know, K.J. 
Jefferson and Jalen Daniel should probably be on the, like the Heisman watch list to start the year next year. Like they both are, are, are that quality. I think Daniel's proved it. And when was the last time? So I was trying to look through before we started talking, when was the last time you could feel this confident about your quarterback coming back? If you're Kansas, cause honestly in the last, since Todd Reesing, the only times that like you could even make an argument to a very lesser extent, and I'm not comparing the two because I think I would you, the Jalen Daniels is much much higher in terms of this Peyton Bender in the consistency of like the 2013 2014 year, and then I guess Jordan Webb right after reason. But my point is that in, in the last 14 years, you've never you there's never been a reason to be this. You've never had like that dude not only play but then come back. Like there's been just turnover. There's been competitions. You know who's going to start, but you've got the you know, is it going to be Ryan Willis or is it going to be Montreal Cozart or whoever is it going to be? You're coming in. Not only did you have an extra month to practice and you have the dude, his, I know who the game, I know we lost the game. I know it was a bad first half, but his confidence and his motivation have to be through the roof after this. Now you have him come with all these weapons around him and just, you know, for fans, when was the last time you had, this kind of consistency at quarterback and a guy coming in with this much hype and this much talent that you get to know you're looking forward to. And there's no question in August about who's going to take over a quarterback. Like that's just, it's a rarity. So I would just say that's, that's one of my big takeaways is I'm going to enjoy the heck out of that. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, it's funny cause I got to thinking about this today. It's like, what, how, how much success does Kansas actually have to have next year? Like what does the record have to be? for Jalen Daniels to actually be given serious consideration as a Heisman candidate, right? Like uh, that, that's definitely an article idea I have for the, for the off season to take a look. Like, I, I think, I think the, the Johnny Manziel for Texas A&M, I believe was, you know, I think they were like eight and four or something like that when he was a Heisman candidate uh, and actually was a Heisman finalist. So I'll be very interested to kind of see how all of that shakes up. But you know, the fact that we're legitimately talking about that as, and him as one of the best players, you know, in the entire nation going into next season has to have Kansas fans excited. So, okay. I know that we are running really short on time. I know that you have, you have to get out of here. So let me go ahead and just ask you really quick, um, just a a thought or two about this game coming up as Kansas gets ready to start conference play for the basketball team. Um, You know, this is a, this is a a team that we probably could have had an entire uh, preview on, you know, talking about this particular game in the beginning of conference play. And I do have some plans to, to kind of talk about big 12 conference, both the men and the women, um, in the next couple of weeks here, but with the bowl game, it was kind of difficult to, to schedule all of this all at the same time. So thoughts about this game. I know you just got done with your preview, which will be up in the morning. Um, you know, yeah. what's, what's the main thing you're looking at with this matchup? So I, I well, the one thing I will say when it comes to the big 12 is that there's just, you're going to hear this a lot, but there's just, there's not going to be any off nights. Like you could take like Oklahoma state's probably going to be toward the bottom. They're eight and four right now, but they're 29th in Ken Palm. All four of their losses were within 10 points, and three of the four losses were against top 55 Ken Palm teams. Only one of those happened outside of the top 100, and it was Southern Illinois, who was 114. So, like, it's still, like, the, the quality even at the bottom is just ridiculous. Um, I think this one's pretty pretty easy to figure out. It is going to be a defensive battle. Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, like a, a Mike Boynton team is going to be defensively focused. They're going to be scrappy. Again, they're not going to get rolled over very often. The the things that's interesting is 
they uh, they are great at grabbing offensive rebounds, which should probably give you a little bit of pause. Um, Musa Cisse is a Memphis transfer who is averaging almost 11 boards a game, and he is going to be tough for whoever is playing the five on there that I'm a little worried about. But they also turn it over a ton. And I actually have a breakout in the preview. You can see not only do they turn it over nearly 22% of the time, a lot of those are uh, like – in play turnovers that are steals or otherwise that will lead to fast breaks. So that is where Kansas is going to have to def- define itself is in there. Uh, the other interesting thing, I know Bryce Thompson is going to be a familiar face uh, to to Kansas fans. It's, it's actually fascinating that he is, he got a three point jumper uh, this year. He's shooting about 35% on almost five attempts a game, which is much better and yet he's gotten worse in every other facet of the game. His two-point shooting's down. His free throw shooting is at like 55% right now. Uh, but he is he's second on the team in scoring. They, they, they're very balanced. They only have two players, uh, Avery Anderson and, and Thompson, who average double figures. But they have a lot of guys in, in, in the, you know, averaging about 12 to 7 range. But, yeah, if there's one guy you got to really worry about, I would say Musa Cisse on the boards is going to be tough. Not letting you got to limit them to one possession, and then how much can Kevin McCuller, Harris, and company uh, really just force some turnovers, keep the ball in bounds? And then the good thing is, is that Kansas shoots it a lot better at home than they do on the road. How not can you turn those turnovers not only into easy layups, but also maybe some open threes for Grady Dick and other guys like that? Yeah, for sure. It will definitely be very interesting. I, I know that you need to run, but thank you so much, Kyle. Um, I'm looking forward to the recap for this one where, you know, either, either you and me or you and or, or Brendan and I will go through what actually happens here. Um, I'm very, very uh, happy that we are getting started with a team that supposedly is going to be towards the bottom of the conference. But this is the Big 12 Conference. You didn't really know, you know. I think most of us said that Iowa State was going to be towards the bottom of the conference coming into last year, and then they played really well throughout the entire non-conference. So, um, yeah, this is one that probably it, it Kansas should probably win comfort, comfortably, but you're probably not going to blow them out, and that's okay. Like Oklahoma State's one of those teams that's just like you know they played UConn close earlier this year. Like they're probably not going to you're probably not going to do to them what you did to Indiana. If you do, even better. That says more about this team. But it's also one of those where, like, at home, uh, you should, you know, they have enough weak- weaknesses that you should be able to take advantage of. They also don't shoot the three very well or very often, which is one of those things kind of not nearly as bad as Harvard, but, like, they're not going to necessarily kill you from three. So, yeah, it's one of those ones where they're they're going to make it tough and they're going to scrap it and try to make it an ugly game. Kansas should win. It's a good way to start the, the Big 12 uh, season. But it's also they, they better not they better bring more enthusiasm and effort than they did to the Harvard game. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. And uh, you know, jumping over to the women as well because uh, Kansas also opens up against the Oklahoma State Cowboys, or I guess the Cowgirls in this case. Uh, for the women, they are on the road this time though. Um, Kansas led. I get. I don't want to say surprisingly because she was one of the players that I think a lot of people expected a lot from this year. But Zakaya Franklin has been just on fire for the Jayhawks recently. So I am super excited to see what she's able to do. Um, it's hard to argue that she has been the best player for the Jayhawks in the last five games or so. Um, even in the loss in Nebraska, she had 27 points. She led all scorers. Like, she was absolutely phenomenal in that game. So um, I'm looking forward to what she can do. 
with Tiana Jackson on the inside. This is a Kansas team that has a very, very good shot um, at being super competitive in the Big 12 this year and getting started on the road against an Oklahoma State team that is, I think, better than a lot of people were were thinking that they might be with all of the, the changes that they had there. Um, but it is going to be a very interesting matchup. I will be excited to kind of see how they get started with conference play, and hopefully they pick up a win on the road, um, you know, there before we get before we really get into the meat of the schedule and and have them coming back home. Um, definitely looking forward to that. So, and it's a that's a fun contrast to styles too, because Oklahoma State is really strong offensively, averaging I think it's like something like seventy nine points a game. Obviously, Kansas is defense well, holding opponents to well below that. So this will be one of those kind of, you know, unstoppable force and immovable object type things with the Oklahoma State uh, offense and the Kansas defense, which I'm really excited to watch. Yeah, I am definitely looking for it's going to be a great doubleheader to be able to watch the women's game and then the men's game kind of back to back there with just a little bit of a break to catch your breath in between them. Um, We will probably be doing some sort of watch party for both of those games. Um, so make sure you guys are paying attention to the Blue Wings Rising Discord because I would love to have you guys over there chatting um, as we all watch the games together. So, all right, um, I think that's going to do it for us today. Just, or I'm sorry, one one thing that we did miss out on that unfortunately we were not able. I was looking so forward to potentially seeing what would happen if Kansas won that bowl game from the sponsor that we have here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, so much more. And look, they've done so many great things. They had a Kansas football shirt that came out earlier this year. Um, I was excited to see what they could have done with a bowl game win. I, I think they had something planned from what I hear, but unfortunately, Kansas didn't actually pull it off. So, um, But that's all right. We've got plenty of great Kansas stuff, and there's plenty of other fantastic logos and great apparel that you can find um, for a bunch of other different schools. I have way too much and it's so much, it's so good. I've been wearing it all weekend long. The only thing I didn't do is work to the game because it's kind of hard to do that as you're, you know, media covering the game, but I made sure that my kids had plenty of KU stuff, including some great home field apparel shirts. So um, head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 50% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. But had to sneak that in there at the end. That's going to go ahead and do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please go out wherever you get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every single episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it'd be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact us uh, by by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, so you can... Uh, catch all the great shows that we have covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, head on over to 1012network.com and you can get all those great links. We are also very happy to be on the Sports Drink Network as well. Great partnership we have with them. And they have a ton of other uh, teams and other podcasts that you are going to want to check out as well. But um, make sure you visit the, those sponsors we have, both Home Fear Apparel and also Prize Picks. They're still doing some great stuff over there at prize picks throughout the rest of the sports season, which honestly is year round. So you're always going to find something over there, but uh, that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys have any comments, if you want to get your reactions or your questions or anything like that, make sure you reach out to us. We really do want to hear from you guys and get 
that stuff onto the show. But uh, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chuck Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.